Welcome to those who are joining. My name is Ambika and uh, I work as a FinTech product manager. I work for US Bank and I'll pass it over to Manisha for her introduction. Thank you. Thank you, Ambika. Very excited for this evening and having Brandon on with us. Welcome, Brandon. Uh, I am uh, Monisha Chakrapani. I work in uh, the financial services space uh, with product management uh, at US Bank. Brandon, with that, I'm going to kind of turn it over to you uh, in a way, kicking off with your intro. And then also, while you do that, Brandon, also kind of diving into, uh, you know, your journey to Stash and um, yeah, getting into how you came up with the idea. Awesome. Well, yeah, my name is Brandon Krieg. I'm a, a co-founder and the CEO of Stash. Uh, we are, uh, well, I'm not sure where we're based out of, but we previously were based out of New York City uh, before the pandemic. Uh, and, you know, Stash has grown a lot. You know, we're 350 employees uh, now spread out across the U.S. and the U.K. And so, you know, Stash for has been just an incredible journey. And for me, my journey started in fintech really, really early before fintech was a buzzword. Uh, I think there's a book about it. Uh, Michael Lewis wrote a book about uh, called Flash Boys that was a big part of my life when I started in 1998. I was a, what was called a SOS trader. And we were using uh, APIs to trade in the stock market and ended up uh, switching over to be a technology provider for lots of big financial companies and ended up building a very big business that got, ended up getting acquired by Knight Capital Group. And I went on and I stayed there for about five years and it was a great, great journey there. I really liked it. And then, you know, kind of overstayed my welcome after an acquisition and left and had no idea what I wanted to do and ended up going to Macquarie Bank, which is a big global bank to uh, build out a new type of electronic trading business there. But it was really cool because it was going to be in 52 countries. And I got very lucky because Ed Robinson, my co-founder and stash, worked at Macquarie in London and ended up moving to New York to be my co-founder there in this new business at Macquarie. And, you know, we realized after a while that, you know, we were both, you know, even though we liked working for Macquarie, working for a big bank wasn't for me. It was just becoming very hard for, for me to innovate inside of a company with 50,000 plus people. And we discovered that even people that worked inside of the bank didn't know what to do with their own money. And it was no, you know, I, I'm not being disrespectful. And it was just, we just kept hearing it. You know, people would sit around talking about what to invest in, what to buy, when to sell it. And, you know, we had a hunch that this was a much bigger problem than just, you know, our friends and some people that work in a bank. And we started walking around the street asking people about money. And, and to be honest, that's kind of the, the birth of Stash. We didn't know what to do, but we discovered a really big problem because every time that we would walk up to someone in the street and ask about money, we'd hear the same answer. We'd hear, oh yeah, I want to invest, but I never learned about it at home from my parents, or I never learned about it at school. And so we're like, all right, you know, well, when will you do it? And everyone said, I'll do it later when I figure it out and understand it. We also kept hearing, I'll invest and I'll save for my future when I'm rich. And we'd say, well, what does that mean? What's rich mean? And nobody could define it. And there were hundreds of people we spoke to. And so when we started looking at it, we said, well, how many people have this problem? And we discovered at least 200 million people in America have the same problem. And so we ended up leaving Macquarie and we left his friends. It's a great company. We loved working there. And we set off on this journey of figuring out how to solve this really big problem, which has led us to start Stash. And, you know, I'm really proud now to have built, to, you know, have helped build a very large subscription business. We now have over 6 million uh, customers on the platform, uh, and our customers represent America almost perfectly. They are trying to create wealth. They need help. They need advice, and they need financial education. And so, you know, it was, Stash was really born because there had to be a better way to create accessibility and affordability and to help get people started. And, you know, our founding belief at Stash was that, and it's still guiding us from day one, is that all Americans deserve the advice tools and opportunity to invest in themselves and ultimately create long-term wealth. And so that was uh, over almost uh, a little bit over five years ago that we launched our first version and, and we're so excited. So that's kind of the very quick founding story of the, of the company. Thank you, Brandon. And double clicking on the long-term wealth <laughs> building, uh, that being a part of your mission statement, 
could you dive a little deeper into the how you're going about delivering on that? Yeah, so, you know, for us, you know, the mission that we have, again, is to make money a source of hope and not fear. And so, you know, the vision is very clear. Now, how do you do it is it really goes back to our to our original roots when we started, because, you know, we're not a day trading app. We're, we're never going to be a day trading app. That's not our intention of this business. We believe in long term tried and true methods of wealth creation, which is slow and steady. And to be honest, is that when we were starting out, I, you know, we, I couldn't look at the wealth management business to take cues of how to do this. I couldn't look at the retail brokerage business and how to do this. So we looked at the weight loss business and how to do this. And the, the, what we learned about is if you look at, you know, at a person who wants to lose 30 pounds, you know, it's really hard to lose 30 pounds in a binge or crash diet in a week. And so a lot of people that start diets end up gaining weight and feel defeated. And it's, it's very applicable to financial services as well. But if you take that big goal of 30 pounds and you break it up in small little wins, all of a sudden you give somebody the ability to reach their goals because they're winning in small increments. So instead of losing 30 pounds, you lose one pound and you feel great about it. And you go on to lose another pound and feel great about it. And maybe along the way, maybe you gain a pound and that's okay. You know, you don't need to feel defeated. It's not over. You'll take that pound off and lose another. And so we took a lot of those learnings to stash. And so we built a subscription business because we want to be very aligned with our customer. And if we built the business on the, uh, this is to the how, according to how the wealth management business worked, that means we'd always have to be asking our customers for more money. Give us more, give us more, give us more, because we need to charge you more. And it didn't feel right. And so we basically looked at investing in, uh, in how to create automation and how to break it up into small little wins to create those big goals. And the how is really having a platform which has all the utility and the services that someone needs and focusing on the personalization. And that's, and that's a lot of what we do now. And as we've, we're evolving the business, we're moving more and more into personalization on the advice and education side, because education and advice are, are critical to our mission and to our vision of what the future of financial services looks like, where, you know, for us, we'll have most of the embedded products and features that somebody needs, but, you know, you don't sell someone pet insurance that doesn't have a dog or a cat, right? You, you, you need to be very specific with people because everybody has a different financial problem and a different financial worry. And I guarantee every single person on this call worries about something different when it comes to money. And it's our job to figure that out and give advice around how to solve those problems and teach uh, and give, you know, education around what is the problem and what's the solution and give people the functionality to do it. And that's the vision for this business. And that's where we're going. So you know, we spent years building out investing, retirement, <clears throat> custodial banking, insurance, and it, you know, it, it works really well. And now we're really focusing on personalization and it, it's really making a difference in our customers' lives because our customers have now saved over $3 billion in the platform, but the average deposit into Stash is $31. So what we're seeing is lots and lots of people put away small amounts of money on a regular basis, and it's making a difference. I really like the analogy of weight loss with long-term progress and sustenance. So if I may, I would like to dissect like what you just said two ways, starting first with the early days mm -hmm. of Stash. So you were sitting in McGuire, you know, talking about people don't understand the right way of investing. I resonate with that. I have that problem as well. But how did you find your product market fit when you initially started? How did you know that people were in it for the long term? Yeah, I mean, that was it's a great story. I mean, oh, great question. I, I don't come from consumer and neither does Eddie. So I kind of took a crash course on all of this because my old business was B2B. And, you know, we didn't need, you know, thousands, millions, hundreds of millions of customers. We needed a few hundred to build a really big business. So... I was given a copy of Lean Startup. Love that book. I think it's a great, great book. And I, I hope everyone reads it and started understanding what product market fit was. We built a prototype, you know, took that prototype out to the street, asked the same questions that we were asking before, except this time we were able to show people a prototype and envision kind of app. And we got people's reactions to it. And the first versions of it, people hated. They were like, this is terrible. And so I had to learn really quickly that 
you know, got to check your ego at the door and just take constructive feedback. And, you know, we started iterating the prototype and eventually we started getting a different kind of, you know, set of feedback from people like, wow, I really like this. And so that's what we ended up building. And when we launched it, you know, it was, it was awesome. You know, literally we launched, it took off. We had tons of new users on day one. Apple featured us on like the second day is like one of the best apps in the app store, which was, you know, unfortunately not the best time because the system wasn't built for scale at the point, at that point. But then very quickly, what we realized is that, you know, the first two weeks of momentum that we had kind of started slipping away. We went from opening thousands of new accounts a day to hundreds and then some days less than a hundred. And that was a very big wake up call for us to say, all right, how are we going to really do this? And we can't take the venture capital money we have raised and just give all of it to Facebook. That's not sustainable. The venture investors can just buy Facebook stock. It's much better. So we had to really start looking at, are we truly helping our customer? Are they really using the product? Um, and then did we make it super simple and super easy for a customer to onboard and to get started on the product? And we honed in on that and then, you know, took a pause on like, you know, looking for hyper growth, really nailed that, then went back and started marketing again. And then we never looked back since. So I think it's just, you know, I, I, I'd sum the question up with, we involved our customers and potential customers heavily in the early days of our product. And I think that made a big difference. Lovely. Best app in Apple App Store in, on week two. Like, that's amazing. I would love to have that uh, that statistic with my launches. So I want to, um, second step that I had, second question I had was, as you scaled, what were some of the obstacles that came your way? Could you talk to us about uh, the mid, I guess, the mid days? Uh, yeah, I mean, name, name, name a problem. I'll, <laughs> I can talk about it. I mean, right. it, everything. I mean, literally everything. I mean, this is, you know, we're, we're very, very lucky because you know, we have a very strong mission and we're attracting incredible talent, incredible. And we have an incredible team at this company and it just keeps getting bigger every week. So we've been able to lean a lot on our team to help us deal with these challenges. But a lot of it's just been scaling, scaling from every dimension, scaling from, you know, how do we effectively market this product? How do we effectively um, take on all the things that we want to do? How do we effectively not chase shiny objects all the time? because we need to be really good at what we do. We can't keep building new things. How do we scale the team? How do we scale offices? We've moved before the pandemic, we moved eight times in three years because we didn't want to get ahead of our skis on rent. Um, how do we uh, effectively raise the right venture money from the right investors? And we've done a number of capital raises and I think we've been very lucky there. So, you know, it's, it, this type of business at scale is, is very hard because every day brings new challenges. And I think just hiring the right team for us has made that so much easier, to be honest. Got it, thank you. Moving eight times, it sounds like my personal life. I've moved six, six, I've moved <laughs> six countries. So yeah, I'm also waiting when I can say that I've grounded myself. Um, another question I have regarding your journey is the, let's talk about the present day. You mentioned that Stash doesn't provide day trading. It's not part of who you <laughs> wanna be. So how do you, uh, and you provide, I think, for, four trades a day. So curious to understand your reasoning behind this decision and how do you view your competitors who do allow day trading? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think that, you know, there are different tools for different types of people. And, you know, if someone wants to actively day trade, then, you know, there's plenty of different features for them out there. Me coming from a, you know, from a, you know, high speed uh, algorithmic trading background, and I've been on the other side of, of retail orders as a market maker, you know, I've seen retail investors lose a lot of money day trading. And I, you know, we think that the tried and true method of buying companies that you believe in and buying companies that are doing well and buying them slowly and steadily over the long term, not timing the market because no one knows what the market's going to do. Nobody can predict the market tomorrow, the next day, the next day, the next day. No one knows. It's impossible. And if anyone says they can, I think you should run away from them. So for me and for this business, it's always been about setting it up for the long term for our customers. And so we don't need to trade in real time because we don't give out real time streaming data. It's not what we do. Customers are setting up portfolios and you know, managing them for long term. And we have two types of investments on Stash. 
The first one is a self-directed kind of advice-driven account where you can pick companies you believe in, or you can pick themes that you believe in. So you can invest in, you know, defending America, which is, you know, uh, you know, aerospace and defense. You can buy Tesla stock. You can really do, you know, pretty much whatever you want. We will give you advice around your diversification. We will give you check-ins around diversification and give you advice on how to diversify your portfolio. The other side is if you don't know what to do or you have decision fatigue, we have a, a full, you know, kind of robo product. We call it Stash Smart Portfolio. Well, we'll invest the money for you. So on the Smart Portfolio, we trade, I believe, once a day. We go to the market and buy or sell because it's not that it just doesn't need to be super fast. On the uh, self-directed side, number one, we trade in fractions, so you can't go buy a fraction from the market. So you know you gotta kind of slow it down and aggregate throughout the day. But most importantly, it's that. We're just not that type of company. We're not built for, you know, repetitive in and out trading during the day because that's not the right behavior, we think, for, for the average investor. Great. Uh, Brendan, so kind of uh, along those lines, but segueing into the product itself, what lies in front of that uh, investing behavior uh, could you spend a little time talking about the way um, the debit card work? Uh, I know you referenced the behavioral aspect of getting um, investing to uh, the average American. Uh, so curious about uh, the setup of the program, how it works, and how um, your customers have been responding to it. Yeah, it's this the stockback debit card that we that we invented and patented has just been an incredible. What we, what we figured out is that we wanted to create a bridge between investing and your daily spending because we do offer a full checking account to our customers. So the stockback card basically rewards you with a percentage of your spend amount back in stock. So for example, if you take the stash debit card or uh, stockback card and go to Chipotle, like I did today, when you swipe the card, you get Chipotle stock. If you go buy something at Amazon, you're an Amazon shareholder and it, go, it works basically everywhere. We're paying for it though out of our revenue. Because we're a subscription business, we can afford to do that. And so one of the things that it, it, it does for our customers, and I think it's the most important thing, is that by using Stash for your daily spending, you are discovering that the world around you can be owned. And you're building a portfolio that mirrors the way you live your life. Because all parts of your life, whether you're picking the investments or we're investing for you on Smart, or your daily spending that you're doing is giving you stock, are all part of you becoming an owner and owning your world. It's been incredible. So, you know, for us, you know, I also think about Stockback. Stockback and the stock doesn't expire. Unlike many, you know, traditional card points and rewards programs that expire. And it fits into your daily spending. So, you know, we're not sitting there driving you to or encouraging you to overspend like a lot of cashback programs do. So we're not trying to drive overconsumption. So we also are not the kind of company that's saying, you know, save the money, don't have that morning coffee at Starbucks, you know, you should have your morning coffee at Starbucks. But if you are, you should get rewarded for that and you should be an owner in Starbucks. So it's really, really cool. And it's, it's been just incredible. And we're watching the, the growth of the banking product that's stashed. It's been awesome to see it. It just keeps going up every, every month. And most of the growth is through referral, just friends telling friends about it. And just, you know, our customers bringing new customers onto the platform. So a little more on the product side, Stash is about investing for beginners. How um, is the product roadmap playing out, Brendan, in terms of growing <laughs> along with those customers? Yeah, it's, you know, our, our platform has grown so much over the last five years. And we typically don't lose customers to going to a, you know, a, a managed account or a wealth manager because our platform has grown up a lot. So the two things on the investing side that are really important is again, like I said before, if you pick your investments, you can do that. But if you want your money managed for you, Stash will manage your, uh, Stash has an account called Stash Smart Portfolio that will manage your money according to uh, the asset allocation that our model thinks you should have based on your risk level. But the most important thing is we don't charge an AUM fee. So you can have as much money as you want on this platform, and we will not charge you an assets under management fee. Because we're a subscription business, you pay a simple, transparent monthly subscription fee, 
And that includes everything you do on the platform. So I think that's really important because, you know, if, if it's apples and apples for a standard portfolio and, you know, over time, as you grow your wealth and we see it on stash, you know, people are very consistently putting away money, which is why our assets keep doubling um, more than doubling each year is that, you know, asset under management fees eat away at your returns. And so getting everything you get on stash in a simple subscription is really powerful. Now from project product roadmap perspective, you know, we're always listening to our customers and, you know, I can't share everything that we're up to, but we have a very robust uh, feature set that we're building out that just keep making the investing and banking experiences better and better for our customers. So we'll grow as our customers grow, but right now there's, there's tens of millions of people out there that need Stash and just need to get started investing and starting to learn about this stuff that they, quite frankly, have been excluded from for way too long. Brandon, you're talking a lot about subscriptions and that piques my interest. It's a new type of pricing model in finance. So just for our audience's awareness, let me talk about the three types of subscriptions you have. There is Stash Beginner for $1 a month, Stash Growth for $3 a month, and Stash Plus for $9 a month. I would love to see Amazon Prime for banking and you are a fintech that's doing that. So could you talk to us about your philosophy behind pricing model and what's the diversification of your customers by these three different subscriptions? Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, like I said before, I think it's really important for uh, a customer to understand what they're getting, be able to choose the plan that they want and to keep it super affordable. And so having customers understand the plan helps them, you know, grow with the platform over time because they can also, they can uh, increase their subscription plan, but they could also decrease it. So, you know, that coupled with the fact that we don't charge a one fees makes it super affordable. So what we really think about is how do we just keep giving value and how do we make these subscription plans more and more valuable over time? And we keep making them better, whether it be, you know, including free life insurance in the plans or giving extra stock back, you know, back to the customer or giving extra education, extra advice based on the plan they need, because not everybody needs the same thing. And so it's it's been really cool. Our customers have received it really well. And this has been out now in the market for got over five years. And you know, we haven't changed our pricing. If anything, we just got rid of AUM fees. And we're really happy with it because our customers are happy with it. I just think it's important to just, you know, think about where FinTech is going. Everything is changing. And the customer has a right to know exactly what they're paying for. And quite frankly, to know exactly how we make money at Stash. And we're very transparent about that. All right. Well, uh, thank you. Uh, kind of is, uh, along those lines, um, we're going to talk about the customers, right, and the adoption. What have been some of the successful acquisition strategies for Stash? Like, how do you acquire these new customers? I know you talked earlier about the use of VC funds and how do you create that traction uh, with the product that you have. Uh, but could you kind of delve a little deeper into that? Yeah, I mean, the first thing that is the most important thing on the product is is obsession over making the product simple and keep to keep making the product better and better. And I'm like I said I'm, before, I'm really proud of our team. I mean, they are uh, across the board from product engineering, marketing everywhere, obsessing over the product right now to keep making it better. And the better we make the product, the more we see our customers referring. So, you know, more than 50% of our growth comes from uh, organic and word of mouth and referrals. So, which is great. The rest of it comes from lots of different channels that we have. There's a little bit of, you know, of course we do some paid marketing, um, you know, Facebook and Instagram. And we also do, you know, we have a, a large affiliate network of partners that uh, send us uh, users. So for us, it's, uh, you know, fairly diversified after all these years. When we first started, it was Instagram and Facebook and, and some Twitter and Google, of course. Now it, we've grown up, right? And we have lots of different ways that we acquire customers. And we also do a lot now on, on television, on network TV. So we're running a lot of TV ads to start increasing our brand awareness in the U.S. And it's something that, we started at the beginning of the year and quite frankly, it's incredibly successful for us. So we're going to keep doing that. And TV has been a huge channel to continue scaling up the platform. So that's really the, you know, the different ways. And if you go to Soho right now in New York city, you'll see we bought a bunch of uh, billboards around Soho, which is really cool just to spread our awareness of our brand. Nice. Thank you. Um, so we have about two minutes before we open it up to the audience to so just, 
just a reminder, if you have questions, you can raise your hand. There's an icon on the bottom right. You can raise your hand and come up and ask questions, or you can send us questions through the back channel, which you can access through the air, airplane icon on the bottom right. So one last question Brandon I have before we move to audience is about your social impact. So in uh, earlier this year, you announced with Sioux Family Foundation and Big Yard Foundation to launch a financial literacy summer program for middle school students with a few NFL players. So I would like to understand more about this partnership and also why middle schoolers. Yeah, it's um, we're we're really really proud of this. So we did our we just made our first acquisition. Uh, we acquired a company called PayGrade, and PayGrade was a company that focused on bringing financial literacy and financial education. Uh, to schools, and it was really a product for teachers uh, and students in the classroom. And it was especially important and impactful during uh, COVID when a lot of schools uh, were remote. And so we acquired it. Uh, we got an awesome team that joined Stash, and we're now expanding it to uh, to include parents and children, and so not just for teachers and schools. And we also made the entire thing free because the pay grade team used to charge for it. And so Stash 101 now is, is, is what we rebranded it. It's focusing on introducing millions of, uh, to millions of kids and parents, the critical lessons they need to learn, right? They need to learn, kids need to learn real world financial situations and how, they, how money impacts their lives and just the basics of money. And so along the way, uh, while we were you know, really focusing on getting the acquisition done, we met the Sioux family and we met Big Yard and both of the, the teams are incredible. And we started talking about a program that they were already working on, which was to bring uh, and partner with the Portland School District to teach kids financial literacy over the summer. And so it was perfect time for us, right? Because we we're about to finish the acquisition. So we ended up partnering with Endomic and Sue and Brennan Scarlett, who and their organizations. And it was really successful. And we're going to have a lot more on this topic coming out soon. But this was a great prototype for us to work together on, you know, something that is really, really, really important in society. And it's important to us at Stash and our mission. So, yeah, we're, we're pumped about it and we're going to keep doing more and more of it with, uh, with uh, the Sioux family in Big Yard. Great. Thank you. So let's move to audience Q&A. Looks like Sean and Alok are already here. Sean, uh, would you like to introduce yourself and ask your question? Yeah. I'm, uh, thank you uh, for that, Ambika. So I'm a... Principal product manager working at a financial institution uh, with uh, Monisha Nambika. So anything I say is actually not related to them. I don't know. Uh, a quick question I have is, you know, you've sort of hit on uh, financial literacy, uh, you know, and sort of financial well-being as, as a sort of key part of your mission. Um, I'm wondering, without sort of revealing sort of sort of the, the magic, if you will, or trade secret, um, how are you guys measuring sort of the impact that you're having, right, with with your users? or your, your initiatives uh, in that arena, right? Is it, is it page views? Like how are you sort of measuring the, an outcome of a user's, you know, going from, you know, they're more mature when it comes to financial literacy? Yeah, I mean, it, we, we do lots of different things on this. I mean, the simplest thing that we do that I can share here is that we uh, give our customers or ask them to take a financial literacy test once a year. Um, we just did this uh, at Stash 101. We asked the students to take a test at the beginning and a test at the end. And quite frankly, the scores are incredible. The, the rise of the scores are incredible. And every year, you know, just at Stash, every year during Financial Literacy Month, we ask our customers to, if they want to take a financial literacy test, and we ask non-Stashers to take the same test. And we have found in a lot of cases that Stash customers that have not finished high school will score better on a financial literacy test than someone with an advanced degree. And so it really comes down to, for us, um, just focusing in on the things that are really important. And when I think about this, we think about STEM. You don't teach kids engineering, science, and math by making them read, you know, a 500-page book anymore, right? They learn now engineering by tinkering or by coding. It's the same thing with financial services. If you give someone the ability and the access to start, even if it's super small, in a, in a way where you're, they're getting advice, the, you see the confidence level and, and, their, and their passion for, for saving and the passion for investing really come to life. And so you, can, you really can't measure it by, by some of the normal metrics because 
you know, someone that's over, you know, over opening the app, what's to say that's a good or a bad thing. I don't look at AUM as a measure of engagement because we're not your typical wealth manager. Our customers are, are America, they're the middle class. They're, you know, the 200 plus million people in this country that don't know what to do. They can't get advice or help from their bank. And, you know, effectively they're left on the sidelines. And so we take this role that we have very seriously, which means we have to partner with them for the long term to really help them. And so that means you have to just give people time to reach their goals. Hopefully that answers your question. It, it does. Thank you. You know, it's, 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 uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's not AI. It's, it's a, a, a sort of a, a simple measure on a regular basis. It's, it's a great, um, that, that was, that's a great, keep it simple, but very effective. Yeah. Keep it simple. I found is the best, is the best tool. I mean, there's, I don't want to oversimplify it. There's lots of things happening in the backgrounds, but you know, but keep it simple does work. And I do want to add, so since I'll give myself a little stash, a little plug here, since there's so many amazing people on this call, we are actively hiring right now. Uh, product managers, engineers across the board. We have like a hundred open roles right now. So I'm Brandon at stash.com if anyone uh, is interested. Awesome. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Sean. Hello, Kai. Welcome. Do you want to introduce yourself where you work and ask Brandon your question? Sure, Amiga. Thank you for giving me an opportunity. Hi, Brandon. This is Alok Jariwala here. I work for a fintech called Upgrade um, uh, as a senior product manager on their checking account. Um, quick question I had, I, I used to use Stash and I compared it two years back with M1 Finance. Um, I don't remember why did I pull out my account and close my account with Stash, but uh, one thing that comes to my mind was Stash used to allow me to buy fractional shares versus M1 Finance gives me uh, an ability to create a pie chart where I can distribute, like I can create my own ETF version of my own. Um, yeah, does Stash look for features like that? And the other question I have is you have these tier plans, which one is the most popular plan and what is the retention rate of, of your customer base? Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm not the 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 last the latter part of your question isn't something I'm going to openly share, okay. but you know I can say that you know each one of them is 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 used by customers according to what they need. Um, it's it's a little confidential to share on a call like this, but I, on the first part, I can tell you that you know I and I know the founders of M1, they're great. Different product for a different set of users. Like you know the fact that you're looking to create your own ETF and you're looking for to create different pies. I think that's awesome for a set of users, maybe like you that needs that. Explain that to most people though, and they don't know what that means. You know, the concept of an ETF is something that has to be taught. So we're getting people to come off the sidelines and start and get on a journey. If you know what you wanna do and you know how to fill a pie up with different investments, that's awesome. And maybe you're just not right for Stash. So our customers are, you know, coming to us and, you know, we're, you know, we have, you know, on most days, more than 10,000 new customers a day signing up and they're coming because they want advice and guidance and they want education and they want to get on a journey. And a lot of times our role is to help them continuously not only get on the journey, but stay on the journey for the long term. So just, you know, different set of products for different people. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, probably that's probably the reason why I moved on. <laughs> Thank you. No, no worries. Thanks, Alok. Hi, Isaac. Welcome back. Do you want to ask your question? Also, please introduce yourself. Yeah, sure. Thanks for the opportunity. And you know, probably just start by saying, uh, introduce myself. Um, I, I work in financial services, so by decade um, experience, I work with the board bracket bank. And Brandon, uh, you know, as you are describing the need for stash and like what you guys, um, um, you know, like so the problem you solve, like, you know, I, I couldn't be more excited as you described that because like this is like spot on, um, not even for like just everyday retail people that may not necessarily have access to the financial market, but even those in the financial industry, sadly, um, for the most part. Um, and as you know, someone that is um, I'm, I'm African American, and yeah, I, I think like you know, with the whole racial reckoning, like the wealth gap discussion, like a huge part of it is like literacy. 
Um, so I like the mission focus of Stash, and I, and I think that that financial literacy is actually like lacking for the most part, even in like supposedly educated people that may even work in finance. Um, so I'm, my question, if you will, and it's long-winded, but but I say like the solution that you have is like phenomenal, and it's great, and it's you know, bringing people, you know, including them, if you will, like shared prosperity, because ultimately. Um, you know, all of this is about like you know, reducing inequality, and you guys are solving that. Um, would you, at some point down the line, think of um, you know the private market, especially with your stock back offering, if you will, especially in particular because like you know, private companies are now getting bigger and bigger, and increasingly becoming a huge part of our lives, and people spend a lot of money um, on, on companies that are still private. I mean, if you think of you know, up until recently before Uber and, and, and Airbnb and Lyft and Co went public, they were all private companies and people were spending like a huge sum of, of money, right? Like on those offerings. Would you guys have some stock back option um, for private markets um, in the future? Or would you partner with some other, you know, like folks that are looking to democratize the private markets um, um, to make it beneficial and accessible to more retail folks that are probably on stash. No, I mean, I, listen, I, I, I have views on this topic. Unfortunately, I can't share all of them. I would love to hear, talk more about this with you and just hear your views around it. I mean, look, at the end of the day, it's, 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 it's really hard to have people own private companies right now because the, the, the rules and the governance aren't there yet, right? You can't sell a private company out to, you know, you can only sell it to so many people. So if, as the markets open, and it's easier for, for retail investors to own a part of a, of a legitimate private company, you know, and it's gotta be legitimate, right? Because I don't wanna put people in a position to lose their money. That doesn't feel right. That's not our mission for us. Yeah, for sure. We do have some thinking and some plans for how you can do that uh, sooner than later, but you know they're they're hard things to solve. They're not easy problems to solve, to be honest. Versus yeah, buying something in the public markets. Totally agree, and I think you know it won't happen immediately, but I think like with like Qatar doing their private market and Nasdaq private market coming <clears> stream, <throat> a private market is going to be increasingly one that people would need to make accessible to all if if we're serious about like wealth inequality obviously but thank 100%. you 100% yeah and you know the topic of wealth inequality is also a lot of it is related to you know something that I saw early i mean you know early on when i was starting up stash i wanted to make sure that i was right about something i said which is like how will i get treated at the bank if i don't have any money you know so i played the game of you know going to the bank branch and sitting down with the the person at the fancy desk with the trophies and I'd say, hey, you know, I really want to start investing. The first question I always got asked was, how much do you have? So if I said I have like 20 bucks, I mean, they wanted me out, get out. They wouldn't say that, but you could tell. But if you went back and said, I have $5 million, because like, you know, my dear Aunt Bertha died and she left me an inheritance, my goodness gracious, they would roll out the red carpet. So, you know, I think getting people access, getting people education, and giving people access to uh, advice that they could take with them. Because when you, when you give people the basic fundamentals of investing and banking and understanding the fees that you pay, it's incredible what happens. And their eyes open up to all the things they could do, even if it's $1 at a time. It's very powerful. So I'm happy you said that just now. And I appreciate that. Thank you, Isaac. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. Again, uh, just a quick room reset. Brandon, thanks for taking the questions. We are uh, at 742 Central. Um, we have been talking to Brandon Craig, uh, co-founder and CEO of Stash. Very um, inspiring and, um, you know, informative conversation. Um, at this point, uh, we do have a question for, through the back channel from James. Uh, James, thank you for asking your question. So we're going to go to your question and then Vaishali will be back to you from there. Uh, so Brandon, for you, uh, James' question is, um, do you, uh, just a quick introduction, James is a software engineer at Figure. Uh, he's asking if you plan to offer the ability to invest in cryptocurrencies. If so, uh, how would you balance the market volatility? Um, I'm sure not the first time you're hearing this. 
Oh, no, no. Thank you for the question, though. Uh, I, I might get asked the question a couple thousand times a day. Uh, you know, we are definitely looking very hard at crypto. I do not believe Stash's place in the crypto market will be uh, allowing people to day trade crypto. There's enough places to do that. I think that crypto, um, in some cases, does belong as part of a balanced portfolio, as long as the end user understands the risk and the volatility that comes along with it. You know, I personally, you know, own crypto and I believe in crypto. I just believe that it has to be balanced because, you know, there could be an argument that somebody, you know, wants to put their entire net worth into into Bitcoin or something like that. I think they need to understand the risk because, you know, the thing does move up and down or not. And if you believe in it or not, that's one thing. But if you're taking money that you might need for your emergency funds or to pay the rent, then I think you really need to get advice and education around what that means. So, yes, I, I believe that, you know, and it's something that we're, we're looking very closely at. And I think for us, it will come very closely to the way that Stash does things, which is, you know, allowing people access, but also giving them advice and helping them understand uh, the risk uh, and the balance that, that comes with it. Great. Thank you, Brandon. The trade-off between accessibility and the risk. Uh, so uh, back to those on stage, I think we have Vishali next. Vishali, welcome. Um, please uh, share your question. Thanks, Manisha. Um, so I'm Vishali. Uh, a little about myself. I am a manager in software engineering with experience in health tech and fintech. Uh, I've worked at SoFi. Um, I have two kids and I signed up um, on the waitlist for the financial platform literacy uh, for the literacy uh, platform. Um, Brandon, I love that you're doing this. I'm very excited. Um, my question for you is that um, curious to understand how you conducted your research on the kids and, you know, how they would respond, what they would respond to. Yeah, you know, the, the platform uh, Stash 101 that you signed up for is, you know, I'm happy you're on the waiting list. So thank you for that. That's awesome. And yeah, there's, there's a, a lot of people working really hard on, uh, you know, creating the parents version because Previously, it was only for teachers and students, so we want to open it for parents and kids. You know, basic examples of things that are just so interesting to children that we've seen on, on Stash 101 already, from looking at the kids using it in schools, is kids learning about buyer's remorse. Kids learning that they when, it, when they get paid for doing a chore, that they have to pay taxes. It's really interesting when you see it, when you take some of the money away that you gave a kid and say, now you got to pay taxes on it. Or... You have to rent your desk. Just those things, it's just like, whoa. And when you do it for a child and you teach them why, it's, it's just really empowering. It's like liberating as, a, as an adult to see how children learn so quickly. Like, unfortunately, this type of education is not mandated in the majority of states in the U.S. And it's super simple to teach kids, by the way. It's just not done. So we're, we're really excited about it. And you know, it's a really, really important part of our mission and a really important part of what we're going to be doing over the next, you know, you know, many years ahead. So be on the lookout for lots of cool stuff on Stash 101. Thanks, Brandon. I like your um, that you mentioned about um, the the taxes, because the way I explain it to the kids is I eat 30 percent of your ice cream and, you know, you get the rest. And it's, it's funny <laughs> to see, you know, the expressions and understand, you know, what what taxes are about. So just uh, remi reminded me of this. Thank well, you. you know, the adults and the kids both don't like paying, getting the taxes taken out. But, you know, we, we share that with the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Vishali. Sunil, hi, welcome back. Do you, do you have a question or a perspective yeah. to share? No, oh, thanks, uh, Monica. And I'm Bika, Monisha, sorry. Apologies. Um, Brendan, you, so I'm a product manager uh, leading the electric charging experiences for Ford's Mustang Maki product. Not in FinTech at all. You brought reference to Eric Ries's book um lean startup investing requires a lot of trust and i'm curious how did you do did your initial validated learning mvp what was your uh, user testing or market go to market research if you could shed some insight and um, how did you started that would be helpful. because because yeah I, I like your question i mean look investing requires trust investing also 
brings and money brings a lot of anxiety to people, a lot of anxiety and fear. And, you know, I mentioned earlier in the call that we want to make investing a source of hope, not fear. And so I think a few things, one making, we couldn't, you know, and no disrespect. I know there's a lot of people that work at banks here and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but we couldn't take our cues from the way that banks do onboarding, the way that banks do, you know, the registration experience, we had to reinvent all of it. And we had to do it in a way where we tried to be delightful and try to be educational along the way. So people not only were, you know, answering the questions, but we were helping people understand why we were asking the questions. This was V1 of Stash, V.1 of Stash, because we learned about that early. It's that people want to know, like, why in the hell would you want my social security number? Why? And we started figuring out we have to start explaining this. And we tried it many, many different ways until we figured out how to do it. And it was just every single thing you do is either a point of friction or a point of, of, of trust loss. And so, you know, our kind of thinking around this was to continue to focus on how to make it educational and how to make, how to involve the customer in all parts of the journey from the second they download the app. And so that's the first thing. And the other thing is we are not the type of uh, financial services company that wants all of your money today. I don't want you to come take your entire net worth and put it on a stock. Please don't do that. So that's just not what we are for. We are very clear to people. We're probably one of the only financial companies that tells you, do not give us all of your money at the same time. Please don't. And I think that helps people build trust because we say to people, just start with $5 and get on a journey. And it's, it's, it's just, we, we just reduced the friction. We made it simpler. And I think that's something we learned. And I didn't learn that because I knew that. I learned that because we talked to enough customers and learned and listened. It's the big thing I got out of the uh, Lean Startup book. It's just listening. Great, thanks. Uh, I think, Nate, you were next. Uh, do you want to go next? Yeah, and, and hey, and really nice to meet uh, you, Brandon, and be able to listen to this. I mean, I think it's a great mission that you guys are on. I've been in the fintech space. I've been in the education finance space and moving back into fintech recently. But I'm going to ask maybe a non-fintech. Hmm, Nate, we can't hear you that you've learned and have shared with your team and that make, you know, future scaling and growth uh, possible. Nate, could you repeat your question? Because uh, we couldn't hear you in the middle. Oh, can you hear me now? Yes. Yes. Okay. Sorry about that. I'm just moving away from the, you know, maybe FinTech questions and more leadership questions, you know, maybe what's the, the biggest lesson or the couple lessons you've learned you know, as you've grown your company from, you know, beta to now 6 million users, um, big lessons that you share with your team. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, the, the most important thing that I've, I have kind of learned and I try to, to share as much as I can is one besides the, the need to be authentic and to, you know, take my life experiences and try to bring them uh, into my leadership style and, and to how I think about leadership is just being authentic and being super honest and being super transparent is also for, for us as a company to really focus on the need to keep it simple because it's really, really easy to do a lot, a lot of things at the same time. It's really, really hard to do a few and do them really well. And so that's something that we have done. Uh, we have ebbed and flowed over the last five years and we've had periods where we've worked on way too many things at the same time, to be honest. And then we've had periods where we've gotten super focused and you see it in, in the quality of what, we, what we're doing across the board. And the other thing that I think I've, I've, I've really started to understand the stash is scaled and I do my best to, to help the team constantly understand this is that the product of stash is more than just the app. The product is everything. The product is the experience when you call the call center. The product is the marketing messages you get or the push messages you get on your phone. It's the compliance uh, legal and legal terms you read so you understand them. It's everything. It's the stability of the platform. It's the security of the platform. All of it's the product. And for us to really you know, build a great company, we have to move to be like truly horizontally integrated with each other, not vertically integrated. And so a lot of that is just time and scaling has, you know, either, you know, in some ways forced us to evolve, but in a lot of ways, it's, 
it's allowed my co-founder Eddie and I to step back a lot and just, you know, trust our leadership to just evolve the company and take it to the next level. So it's, it's, it's an evolution and it's evolution that I, I like to say is really driven by our customers and, you know, our customers, especially when it comes to money, they will tell us when we're doing well and they'll tell us when we're doing badly. You just got to listen. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Nate. Eileen, we skipped over you, so you're next. Hi, thanks for having me. So as always, a great room and moderation um, and brand an amazing discussion. So this is a theme. Nate actually beat me to it. I too am going to switch it up from the product and tech aspect to the company culture side of business. So as I've listened in, I've been really impressed by the innovation and the passion behind Stash, especially, I mean, I really can feel that in your answers and how you're speaking to um, just how you responded to Nate's question specifically. From my perspective, both innovation and passion are components that I believe should drive organizational culture, especially in FedTech, because I think it can become a little stagnant. So my questions around culture are, how would you define your company culture at Stash? What kind of innovative approaches do you take to both attract and retain talent? This is Alina, and I'm complete. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. That's a big question for the end of this. <laughs> I like it. I like it, though. You know, the, the, at, the, at the core of culture is people. And, you know, as this company is scaling, you know, I, it, it's not like we're 10 people in a room anymore like we were in the beginning. And we could, you know, joke and, and laugh and, and all work together on the same thing. We're much bigger now. And we're remote now, which makes it infinitely harder to, you know, to keep a uh, culture like you had in an office. So when it comes down to people for us, I look at a lot of things and when I, when I think about retaining and hiring great employees, which we've been we've done we've done a really good job through COVID on. One is uh, is training and cross-skilling across the company, and we focus a lot on that. Is how do we make sure that you know people don't need to leave Stash to go to another company to get the promotion they want, and are we paying people correctly? But most importantly, besides you know paying people correctly, is is are we giving people the the flexibility in the room to grow their careers at Stash? And that comes from listening to people <clears throat> by trusting our, our leaders that they are um, paying attention to the needs of our employees. And are our employees engaged? And you know, with a company like Stash that's so mission-driven, it's, it's very easy to understand how the work that you're doing is affecting the end customer. The other part of, of, of Stash's culture is a culture that we want uh, to have, which is, and we're working very hard to continue building it, which is a diverse culture. We need to make sure that our employees uh, look like and reflect the same values or similar values as our customers. So to be frank, we can't have uh, you know, uh, a leadership team and an, uh, an employee base of all old white men. That's not gonna work, right? Our customers, our employees have to have to have many different life experiences from, you know, from and have many different views in order to build a product that's used by Mass America. And that's been something really important to us. So we're focused heavily on uh, hiring diverse, hiring diversity on our board and on our executive team, and also looking very closely at gender as well. And it's something that's a, a really big focus for us, and it's been a big focus for us since the beginning. And I think that's how you build a great company, by having lots of great perspective around the table. Great. Thank you, Eileen. So we have two more questions, Brendan. I think this is going to go over the three-minute mark. Can you stay five more minutes behind? Is I can hang, okay? yeah. Okay, cool. Um, is it Michelle? Michelle Bradley? I think you're next. Do you want to, could you please introduce yourself and then ask your question? Absolutely. So my name is Michelle Bradley. I'm not in the financial sector. I'm a, I'm a beginner to Stash. And I just want to thank everybody. Um, I absolutely adore this platform. I'm learning so much about a product um, in an industry that I had no idea about. And my question is, um, you spoke on the financial literacy class for the middle school kids. Um, in regards to that, I, you kind of touched on earlier, is it just financial literacy in regards to stocks? Or is it kind of inclusive of all things financial literacy-wise? It's, it's, um, it's much wider 
first of all, I'm, I'm like, just I'll answer your question, but I'm so happy you used Stash. That's so cool. And this is great. Uh, it's, it's much wider than, uh, than just investing. It encompasses budgeting, banking, uh, credit and investing, and, and we're going to build out a lot more. So no, it's, it's where we think about it from a holistic financial, uh, platform across everybody's entire financial life. Cause there's a lot more than just investing, right? There's budgeting, there's creating uh, rainy day funds, there's managing credit and learning about credit. These are all important life lessons that we want to teach kids and teach adults, quite frankly. That's phenomenal. I know people in college, they could really utilize those skills. So that's really awesome. Yeah. My dad, you could teach my dad, my dad's 72. He doesn't understand any of this either. So it <laughs> <laughs> runs the gamut. Awesome. And I guess I, I'm sorry. I did have just one quick question um, in regards to the stock back card. Uh, I love it. I absolutely utilize it a lot. However, it doesn't give a kind of detailed explanation of how the stock backs work, you know, how much of a portion of the stocks you get and things of that sort. Yeah, well, that's a good point. Uh, could you shoot me an email? I'm Brandon at stash.com. Would you mind? I would love to hear more about that. I mean, we're doing a lot Absolutely. of work on it. I would love to, to uh, maybe jump on the phone with the, the lead product manager and we'll have a chat about it. I would love to hear your feedback. Absolutely. And I'm sorry, was that Brandon at stash.com? Yeah, stash.com. Cool. And I have I have time for like one more question, if that's cool. Uh, yeah, if Naga, it's okay. I'm going to switch to Jill. Jill, welcome. We're very excited to have you. So you'll have to unmute yourself. There is a mute button or a mic icon at the bottom right. Right here. Maybe I can unmute yep, you. Yep, I've got it. Here we go. Okay. Thanks, Hi, Jill. Monica. Hi, Manisha. Hi, Amika. Hi, Brandon. Uh, my name is Jill. I actually know Monisha and Ambika, and I'm a, an executive at one of the banks here in the United States. So, Brandon, it's been fascinating to listen to what you're talking about. And really, a lot of the themes that you've had around bringing the customer's voice in and leveraging those concepts to ensure that there are guardrails or education in place have a lot of themes around corporate social responsibility so my question for you is, as you've scaled as a company, have you had challenges with maintaining that voice and that corporate social responsibility concept as what feels like a core theme for you? And how have you dealt with that as you've scaled and, and thought through investors um, across the board? So you mean, are you talking about fiduciary, like kind of my fiduciary duty? No, no, I'm saying I'm, I'm thinking more in terms of you as a company, the themes that you have as you've scaled as a company, um, have you had challenges when it comes to, um, capital investments, those types of things to be able to maintain that voice? So how you balance what seems to be very much a, um, you know, what is right for the customer? How do you keep that theme and the challenges that might come with that, that go along with scaling? Yeah. And that's a great question. I mean, that, I mean, look, I, you, we're not going to change that. That is the company, right? That is the business, right? Being able to take a customer who has never invested before, doesn't know how to think about what stock to pick or what investment to make help get them on a journey and give them education and advice is our business. So, you know, I think about your question from a couple of different angles, you know, one is, you know, from capital markets and investors, we've been very, very lucky to have investors and, you know, we've raised, you know, we just raised our series G round who are just awesome and they understand our mission. They understand what we're doing and have been incredibly supportive of, of that mission. And so, We've been very, very careful of where we've taken our capital. That, that's an important thing, right? Because there's lots of different investors out there. I've met amazing investors. So many of them are great. And I, I love the investors we have at Stash because they support our mission and not coming in trying to change what we're doing. At the end of the day, you know, we're, we're still, you know, my co-founder and I are still the co-founders and running the company. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, I think, from a board perspective, you know, we've been very lucky to have an incredible board. We're adding more board members now, and we're very, very picky about who we put on the board. Because again, I need the board members who are my bosses 
to be very crystal clear on our mission and what we're doing here, and not to make us start trading off our values or trading off our mission, because that's not the point of what we're doing. And, and quite frankly, I, I have never seen a business in financial services, and I've been doing this for 20 years now, where you can do well and do good at the same time. So it's really cool to be in this, in this position where we can be a disruptor against the status quo, but ultimately help the end customer. So I think, you know, aligning the mission to the customer is something really important. And I don't see that changing, even if we, you know, as we evolve, I think it's something we can keep balancing. Well, it's very, I think, it's hopefully very I answered admirable. your question. Yeah, you did. It's very admirable. Congratulations. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Jill. I'm very excited to have you. So thanks for joining. Brandon, uh, we've taken more time than we promised, so I appreciate you staying over. Uh, any closing thoughts from you? I want to give you one last opportunity to address. It's been very very inspirational just listening to you today. No, it's great. And so these questions have been amazing, and I, I've, I've loved this hour. It's been great. And, you know, like I said before, I always have to put the plug in. We are actively hiring. So Brandon at stash.com, we have, we're always looking for incredible people. And uh, if anyone has, you know, any questions or wants to continue a discussion, always shoot me an email. I'm very accessible. And, I, and I'm just so impressed by this program and what you're doing here. It's great. So keep it up. Uh, hopefully now I can come and be a listener every week, which is going to be fun. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for joining Clubhouse just for this interview. So we're very thankful to be your first uh, interview on here. Awesome. Um, well, with that, we are out for the, this is all that we have for today. If you have any feedback, please reach out to Manisha and me. You can contact us by back channel. You can send us a chat here or LinkedIn. And if you enjoyed the conversation today, please do follow the speakers. And you can also follow our club, FinTech and Payments. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Brandon. Great chatting. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Have a good evening. Thanks, everyone.